You're listening to Dance Matters podcast series, created for the Interchange Festival and commissioned by Delving into Dance and Critical Path. In it, I speak to a variety of people who work with or are interested in dance. I begin each conversation asking them what are the first three words that come to their mind when they think about dance? Freedom, connection, and healing and activism. I'm going to say four. From there, we freestyle into a plethora of things that touch upon the relationship between dance and care for the environment. We speak about connection between dance and intuition. We dream about a world where everyone would dance. A world without judgment and with a greater sense of community. We look at the connection between dance and uncertainty and how dance could teach us to embrace the natural flow of life. And amongst all this talk about movement, we also consider the importance of stillness and silence, both in dance and in life. In the episode you're about to listen, you will hear from a multidisciplinary performer, movement researcher, educator, and yoga teacher, Kate Sherman, for whom dance is a way to experience the essence of ourselves. This podcast was recorded on the Gadigal land of Eora Nation, traditional custodians of the land on which we live, work, and dance, and we pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. What three words come to your mind when you think about dance? Freedom. Connection. And healing and activism. I'm going to say four. Why did you choose to say four? Because I feel like those four words are important. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, some of those words are saying the same thing. Healing, I think, is and connection are the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I could maybe say freedom, healing, and activism. How is healing same or similar to connection? Well, I think healing is connection. I think um, healing is, is finding a way back to ourselves. 
healing is finding a way back and connection is finding a way back. I think they're the same thing. So connection for you in that context is connecting to yourself rather than necessarily connecting to the wider environment. I think we need to connect to ourselves in order to connect to others and I think we need to heal ourselves in order to heal on a wider level. And what does dance do to help that process? I think a dance allows us to be in our bodies and to connect to our spirit. I think dancing allows us to get out of our heads and then to connect to ourselves and others on a on a deep level. And tell me a bit about your trajectory through this world of dance and movement. Is it something that started when you were very young or something you discovered a bit later on in your life? I've always been a mover through the world, I guess, like even as, you know, as, as a little kid. But I guess really, I mean, performance started quite early for me, more um, like in a theatre sense. And then I really discovered movement through Legs on the Wall. I went to Newtown High School Performing Arts and they came to our school and did a workshop. And I just fell in love with, I guess, physical theatre at that time, the physical mode of expressing yeah, and then so that was the beginning and then I trained um, with legs in the wall for a number of years um, and then I went on to an acting pathway and then after the acting pathway came straight back to working with legs on the wall. I guess physicality for me has always been the most maybe authentic form of expression and so over the last 12 years, maybe or 13 years, um. I've really been interested in, in, in movement as definitely the primary form of expression in an improvised way, in kind of a site-specific way, and then in full-length pieces that I've created, it's always been, yeah, text has been there, but the body has always been more at the centre of the work. What would you say is the kind of biggest lesson that working with dance or being a dancer, working with movement, has left in your life? and how would your life be different if you haven't had that journey? I think the in the last six or seven years, I've become a yoga teacher and I'm now studying mind-body therapy and actually dance and, yeah, I guess free dance in lots of different settings on a personal level, um, something that's a really big part of my life, it makes me feel alive and well and joyous and connected. Um, I think maybe maybe dance and yoga has kind of saved my life a little bit in some ways. Mm-hmm. In what way? Um, I think most of our society can, but I can get very in my head and that that's not a really useful place um, for me to be in really. Um, and I guess in the, yeah, in the last few years, I've definitely kind of uh, suffered, you know, quite quite severe kind of anxiety and depression and mental health things and issues. Um, and, yeah, and, and dance and yoga and movement in the body has always been a way back or a thread back to this idea of coming back to the present, of kind of resetting, of, yeah, really being in the now and also really being connected to something much wider than just ourselves. Mm. Mm. It is, again, though, that connection coming to the center of yourself and I loved when I asked you at the beginning that question what three words come to your mind you actually closed your eyes 
and went inside in order for the words to come. Mm. What was that about? Well, it's about really listen. Like I was really trying to listen to myself, to listen to my body rather than my thoughts. So trying to kind of allow the words to emerge rather than placing something on top of them. Mm. Yeah. In that moment when you close your eyes, did the images of yourself dancing come in order for those words to emerge? Or no, no, it was, it was, it's more of a, it was more of a sense or a feeling, which is the same thing that happens when I'm moving and dancing. It's, it's that I feel really authentically connected to myself without any of the extra layers that we sometimes hold or present. Yeah, and so it's usually it's it's usually kind of a uh, a sensation or a yeah, and then and then expressing through movement what that sensation is, uh, how that sensation is arising. Mm. Mm. In your biography, I read that amongst many other things, you're a movement researcher, and I wanted to ask you what are you interested in researching when it comes to movement and whether that has been changing over time. I'm really interested in creativity and I'm interested in creativity because I think when we're deeply connected to our creative self, we're deeply connected to our essence. So I'm fascinated in reading and researching, um, you know, how, how different people make different thoughts on creativity on a cognitive level or on a bodily level. I'm really interested in mind-body therapy at the moment. I guess that's what I feel like I'm researching and that's absolutely connected to dance. Um, I study embodied flow yoga and that really looks at um, somatics and psychology and philosophy. And um, I mean, I'm really interested in the human condition and humanity. So I guess when I say movement researcher, that's a simple way of like that's, that's giving it a lens to answer your question, it is, it is always changing in terms of where I'm at and what I'm interested in or maybe what the project is I'm working on. At the moment, I'm working on a writing project, which is with a fellow collaborator. So we're also kind of researching, you know, about practice and what is practice. And um, so, yeah, it's, it ab absolutely changes as I go mm. along, depending where my interest lies. Mm. Yeah. What does embodied flow look like in practice? Well, there's many different parts of it. So there's long meditations uh, with very specific images or mantras. And then there's a lot of free movement, very specifically guided. So there's five principles. So it's very specifically and delicately guided by the facilitators. But it's basically a way of um, exploring your own consciousness and kind of going deeper into letting old patterns go and things that aren't useful anymore and um, going closer and closer I guess to in tantric philosophy they call, they call it itcha which is like your essence so it looks like free movement so people moving in whatever however they feel re and really kind of pouring yourself into each moment so it's a practice of being completely present and completely authentic in each moment and um, I guess that's the central practice of it. And then there's also science and psychology. So there's mm -hmm. kind of, yeah, in terms of the training of it, there's also labs. But it also moves between, I guess, the free movement and then structure. So sometimes it's a structured asana practice. 
and then sometimes that asana practice turns into free movement or there's the option to move between the two. So it very much looks at structure and freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Talking about that kind of freedom and freedom was one of the three words that you mentioned at the beginning. So one of the things I would like to ask you is what you meant there. But maybe also connecting and maybe not connecting, feel free to disagree, is um, the idea of improvised dance. And I know that you in your practice are quite interested in site-specific dances, in, in being responsive to the site. So sorry, I've asked three very maybe different questions, but maybe they're somehow connected freedom, improvisation and responsiveness to the site and the environment. Mm. I think freedom and improvisation are very closely connected. Uh, well, I guess I'm pretty interested in these ideas of structure and freedom and I mean, frantic assembly said this uh, this idea of you know limitations breed creativity so i think as a as a dance making performance making practice that is really a huge part of my practice uh and i guess site specific um performance i'm really interested in because i guess that's perhaps the structure or the context and then the improvisation is very much responding sometimes with mapped choreographic moments or sometimes completely free but there's usually scores that we're playing with I've done two works with Ryuchi for Jamura, one at Performance Space, which was called 30 Ways with Time and Space, and the other under Harry's Circumstance at Australia Square. Yeah, and I guess the interest is that the audience is given a specific context and then we we respond to that. And what I what I'm really interested in in um is in dance making is offering some material that the audience can then interface with and bring themselves to the work in this kind of um dialogic capacity so so they're not passively sitting back and just watching we're offering um some material within a specific kind of context that they can then bring their experience to i guess i'm also interested in spaces that i think theaters and black boxes have very um specific connotations and an audience as soon as they go in and they sit down and there's all the conventions and the structures there's already so much that's uh these habituated patterns of of mm -hmm. being and and modes when yeah modes of seeing and particular very specific lenses so i think taking the audience outside of that can offer something new and perhaps be a disruption or al allow something else to emerge mm -hmm. When you work on those kind of performances, I imagine you respond to ambient sounds rather than having music played on the set. Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, in those two um, specific shows, we didn't have any, I guess, you know, set music um, uh, and there was no musicians in the space. So it was more responding to the sounds of the space, the sounds of each other, the sounds of the audience, the sounds of the space. Um, yeah, so we, we weren't kind of um, overlaying a specific tone over the performance. It was more about allowing the sounds of the space to also, I guess, be another element in the performance to emerge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How would you compare those two things, dancing to music, where the movement is very much inspired by the sound, to dancing to the ambient sound of the space? And would you say that you have experience dancing in silence yeah absolutely um I mean I guess there's I guess there's not really ever silence is there because we're also then listening to ourselves I mean I love dancing to music 
in some ways I think it's much easier, you know, because you're dancing to an external, you know, something that someone else has created. Uh, so you're, um, yeah. And you're also not listening to your patterns. So that can also allow you to kind of really go with, you know, someone else's provocation. Uh, whereas dancing in silence or just with the sounds of a space is perhaps more subtle. But then maybe it's easier to listen to sensations in your body and also to feel and be more responsive to the other person that you're perhaps performing with or, or practicing with. So I think both, yeah, I think both can offer really different things. Yeah. Mm. Talking about sights, I'm curious as a performer, dancer, person working with movement in various ways, how would you reflect and define this concept or term spatial awareness? How is it featured in your life? And maybe also looking at observing what it means to others around you. Again, I think spatial awareness is, um, I mean, it, it, it kind of astounds me how, um, how unspatially aware a lot of people are in the world. <laughs> I just feel like some people just don't even like that you know they just bash into you in the supermarket or on the street it's like they don't even notice that they do that so, I mean that I always find that interesting and funny and strange um I think spatial awareness is really being um deeply connected to yourself spatially so to be able to kind of navigate your internal landscape and then to also be centered and know where your ground is and you know where you're moving from to be connected to your body so if you're always I mean, if you're always in your head, of course, you're going to be unspatially aware because you're not really in your bodies. I think spatial awareness is kind of about presence, coming back to presence again mm. and um, being conscious, being, yeah, being mindful, being mindful of your environment. Yeah. And you seem to be making a link between body awareness and spatial awareness. Yeah, well, I guess we're, we're kind of like a microcosm of the macrocosm, I guess, so it's like if I can take responsibility for myself here and I'm connected to myself, then I'm also aware of, so if I'm, yeah, if I start with the awareness within myself, then I can be aware of the space around me. And then I guess the ripple effects are bigger and bigger. And then potentially of, you know, of, um, yeah, the room that we're in, the space that we share together, this, you know, interpersonal space. And then the space of Sydney as a city of Australia, as a country of, you know, of the world, like, yeah. Mm. Mm. That kind of, to me, goes a bit back to that question I asked you earlier about what lessons has dance left on your life because you reflected onto the fact that some people don't have spatial awareness at all. When I reflect on what has dance made possible for me is this awareness of being within the body and being within the space. Mm. And I mean, I guess it's also like, I think dance is the practice of relationships, you know, like, so I guess it's the relationship with ourself. It's the relationship between myself and the other dancer. It's the relationship of the ensemble. I mean, I think it's, it's also the practice of, you know, of getting out of the way of ourselves to get outside of our habits or our patterns, to notice, to discover. Is it connected to trust then? Yeah, I, I think dance is deeply connected to listening. And I guess perhaps there's a relationship between trust and listening. So we kind of create space and we listen and I guess there is a trusting of, that we're, that we're trusting what we're hearing. Mm. 
I think this is connected a bit to something you said when we spoke about embodied flow and allowing for different states to emerge and not controlling the movement completely. And in talking to another dancer in relationship to this podcast, one thing that she said is that for her, dance is the space to practice being in the unknown or being able to be in the unknown. What would you think she meant by that? I think, I mean, dance can be many, many things, but I guess for me, the practice of dance is an emergent process. It's a process of following a moment-by-moment presence. And, you know, that doesn't always happen and, you know, often you can get into your head or, you know, it's not always that. But I think when you're, when you really feel deeply connected and really in kind of this state of flow, your body doesn't need to know the end result. It's our minds that need to know the end result. It's our minds that need to know a narrative or a story or to make sense of things. Our bodies are quite happy just to be in this unfolding, emergent, unfurling presence and I think there's an incredible freedom in that because that's actually our natural state. But our world doesn't work like that. So the practice of dancing in that way feels like a returning home. I think it can be really hard sometimes to be in the unknown if we're in a battle with our heads because our, our minds are really scared of that and don't understand that and mm. kind of go into a... a, a yeah, a terror or wanting to analyse it or rationalise it or all these things. But um, once we can find our way to access, you know, through whatever um, process that is, when, when we can actually be in that state of the unknown, it's incredibly liberating and freeing and pleasurable and joyful and expressive and, uh, yeah, emotions might arise, real silliness can arise, like being quite strange can arise, like can be quite dark but you know I think I think I think there's when, when we're in that state it can it can be everything without the limitations of you know what what it is to be human or what we should be or what it is to be normal or clever mm. or successful yeah all, all of those layers are kind of taken away and then we're just left in this yeah pure blue, state. this pure state of essence of being mm. yeah is that the way to deal with judgment And I'm raising that question of judgment because there are just so many people out there who don't feel free to dance or Mm. free to move Mm. because of the fear of being judged. Yeah. And therefore they remove themselves from their essence. And we are conditioned in this world to be removed from that state of the unknown, if that is the state of our essence. Mm. And to always have an answer to something. And there is a beautiful podcast you shared with me, with David White, who speaks about this idea that we are rewarded for having an answer. Mm. And the actual essence of things is that there is no answer, that the things are in constant flux. Mm. And that made me think of dance, because dance is movement. Mm. Things are in the flow. It's almost a definition of what dance is. Which, which makes dance quite political, an act of activism, because there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing capitalistic about being in essence. Like, yeah, there's, um, I think, yeah, in, in, in that state, judgment is so far away from that state. 
judgment seems so silly and so so small and so um but I think yeah I think it's really sad I think a lot of people just can't find the access into into a real embodied state and there's so much fear and uh, yeah there's so many things around that that just inhibit people from even entering into that state if you were to come across that kind of person or a few people like that what would be some of the things you would want to pass on to them whether it's in the form of words or maybe suggest an exercise to to help them combat that state i often lead students uh, through processes of uh, like i'll give them an image or even a state or i'll give them something that's much bigger than themselves so they can hopefully enter into that image or that state you know it could be an element or the state of being lost or fire or water or earth or um yeah an, an image of the ground cracking or you know so whatever it is so, so that they enter into something through their imagination so that they lose themselves and they're no longer inhibited because they're not thinking about me and I and the ego they're actually getting lost within a much bigger realm of material imagination is quite a powerful tool isn't it yeah in that way yeah absolutely yeah and I think then you know then it then it's I mean, I saw um, Gurumul um, Yunapingu's show last night and um, it was just so, it was so many things. I Basically, I cried for the first half an hour. It was so powerful. It was so emotionally beautiful and generous in this context. Today's the 26th of January and, you know, and, and they were up there, like the dancers were so beautiful and so present and so, you know, in this, in their sacred meeting place, which is the opera house, you know, with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra behind them in the background. Like it was such so beautiful on, on so many symbolic levels. And they were so clearly in something much bigger than themselves. There was soul and there was essence and there was spirit and there was no ego and there was none of these mm. smaller things. And, yeah, which I think dance has such a capacity for to, to like music to really reach us kind of in, in, in our essence, um, in a really raw place. And, um, yeah. And so, so I think students or people that feeling inhibited or feeling small or feeling judged or feeling, uh, you know, th thinking and then stuck in their minds, then if we can give them something, some kind of access point that will allow themselves kind of like kind of like tricking themselves you know like 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 allowing themselves to enter into something and also you know with joy and being playful and being curious and and if they can find that um yeah that kind of bridge into this kind of other world then all of that judgment will just fall away so I think that's kind of the responsibility perhaps of a facilitator or a teacher or a director to allow the student to kind of find freedom That makes me think of that healing you were talking about at the beginning. I mean, that's the thing that I feel we need to heal. And you use the word being tricked, but when you think about it, we have actually been tricked to think opposite, that we can't dance because dancing, and you mentioned indigenous cultures, has been a part of our nature. 
yeah. and connected us with the nature. It's part of the ritual that connects mm. you to the earth. Mm. You're connected literally to the earth yeah. with your feet. Yeah. So it's rather than being tricked out of that, you're actually awakened out of it. Yeah. Out of this nightmare that we have been put into. Yeah. That fear and inhibition. Well, actually, yeah, there's, I mean, this thing of being tricked. I mean, in, in yoga, they call it maya, which is, you know, meaning illusion, illusion of the mind. So our, the, the tricks that our mind plays are that basically cause us to suffer, make us think in a dual way, this or that, and, um, and make us contract and, and make us feel small. And, um, yeah, so as human beings born into this world, we're already tricked. So it's like we've got to find a way to untrick ourselves, I guess. It's like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. As I was just saying, dance is obviously something that we associate with movement. But I also feel that pause and stillness is an integral part of dance. I would love to hear what's your relationship to stillness and pause in dance, in movement, but also in life in general, and whether the two experiences have kind of infiltrated or informed each other. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, pause and stillness, I mean, there's, there's never really, there's not really any... Stillness, a, a, a real stillness is not really possible in terms of there's always some kind of movement. I spent many, many years just moving, always just moving. <laughs> and, um, and then in the last, yeah, in the last five years, I've yeah, really realised the importance of stillness. And now I have a meditation practice. And this idea of giving and receiving, I think, um, I think it's in the stillness where we, you know, we allow reflection or learning or there's, in the stillness, there's possibility of deepening whatever whatever it is that we're in. You know, even allowing kind of our particles to kind of come back to us. I think stillness is so important for me personally, and I think in our kind of collective consciousness at the moment, the pace of everything is just getting faster and faster. And so I think there's a kind of collective shift or a collective need and desire to be finding these spaces of stillness you know, in, in yoga, in mindfulness, in meditation. Um, in just in, not returning in, that call straight away. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, in the discipline of not checking your phone. And, yeah, there's there's so much stimulus that I think, yeah, there's, there's a real need in our society of or a real want to find stillness. And I think, I think in dance, in performance and practice, I think sometimes the stillness can be the hardest thing to do and, the most vulnerable because I think in in stillness is when we're we're really seen and mm-hmm. we're allowed we can really be witnessed and I think that can be challenging and confronting and um, a really courageous thing to do because people can deeply see where you're at I think if we're always moving it's uh, yeah if it's not conscious it can be a way of escaping and I guess you know with always having both and at the same time stillness and movement, um, not just having one or the other, that both of them have a really beautiful relationship and both of them are really uh, needed because if we're always just still, then, you know, the, then mm-hmm. stagnation happens or, you know, we're not moving forward mm-hmm. or we're not, you know, being courageous. We're not there, – there's times for actioning and there's times for being still. Um, and so I am learning as a 
dance maker and a movement researcher, just the importance of stillness and movement. That's a beautiful metaphor, what you were saying, that when we are moving, we are kind of escaping this idea of being seen, but also seeing. So that kind of makes me reflect on why we do it in life, because to confront everything that's going on is difficult. So we decide to move quickly in a fast pace, everything blurs and we can't actually see what's happening, which is contributing further and further to things just falling apart because there are these subtle changes like climate change is a subtle change that requires stillness to be seen, to be perceived mm. before it ends up in where we are now, which we neglected because we were moving too fast. Mm. Moving can be a form of denial or, uh, yeah, and not wanting to see or a, um, a way of pushing something away or a way of numbing or just, you know, busying ourselves for the sake of it so that we're not really dealing with anything, so that we don't have to be responsible for our environment or ourselves. On the other hand, UK dancer and choreographer Akram Khan says that the only time he's still is when he dances. Mm. Does that resonate? Yeah, I think there's a, I mean, in, in when I'm dancing and when I'm deeply connected in my dancing, I feel a credible connection to my, um, to the centre, to my essence, which is incredibly still. So the dancing that is coming from such a conscious place and, again, following this thread of each present moment, yeah, it feels so expansive. There's such a clarity and it feels so um, like I could just do it forever. And Yeah, and, and I feel so deeply connected with the entire universe and everyone else that's in the space that I'm in, if there's other people. So, yeah, I do definitely understand that experience of, um, of kind of, well, I guess coming back to this embodied flow idea of just pouring yourself into the experience and, and when you're so deeply present in a moment that's all there is and it's kind of um it's kind of timeless there's so much space in each moment and there's so many possibilities that it's um yeah it's beautiful and I guess from that space of stillness it's connected to intuition and therefore that improvisation that we spoke about and that responsiveness to the sight, that real responsiveness to the sight, to the sounds, to the shape, to other people, is where the meaningful movement comes from stillness, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Intuitive movement. I guess coming back to listening, like coming back to that stillness is maybe a space of listening. Because I guess improvisation for me is responding to our internal landscapes or the external landscapes. Maybe you could equate stillness with space and the space then to listen to then allow something to emerge. Is um, it connected to silence as well? Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. There's space and stillness and silence in order to be able to listen, to be able to follow the body's intelligence without following an idea or a thought or a, a human intervention or something of what we should be doing or should do or, yeah, a clever idea that we might have what could look interesting. or <laughs> mm. um, mm. 
How would you engage with this question? Why does dance matter now? And I'd like to separate it actually in two questions. Why does dance matter in general? Always. And I'm intrigued actually with this temporality, with this putting the word now at the end. Why do we even find it necessary to ask this question? Why does it matter now in this specific time? Hmm. I think dance matters because it goes back to our human roots of being tribal human beings, creatures that are social animals. You know, this idea of connection and of ceremony and of creating ritual and expressing. Uh, and, I mean, dance is a form of grieving. Dance matters because it's... It's at the essence of who we are. If we let go of all of the stuff that we've created around what it is to be human, dance sits at the core of what it is to be human. It's a way for us to connect to life. It's a way for us to connect to ourselves, to each other and to the universe. And if we're connected to ourselves, to each other and the universe, then I believe that everything can really be in harmony. And I guess maybe why it matters now is that we're in a huge climate change emergency, that our earth is dying and that we're killing it. And I think that's deeply because we're not connected to ourselves, each other and the universe, Mother Nature. And I think if we deeply loved ourselves, each other and Mother Nature, then this would not be happening. And I think it's so important right now. I mean, you know, there is so much mental health issues and loneliness and depression and disconnection. And I think if we came back to our bodies and we came back to, you know, finding spaces to be with one another, to dance with one another, to be able to be to express whatever we need to in those spaces and that we were free to do that, whether that's joy or whether that's deep grief or whether that's anger, but if we can do that in these healthy, connected ways, then I think that I think that we'd have a really healthy, beautiful society. And that's, I mean, you know, today's the 26th of January. I mean, our Indigenous culture has been here for 60,000 years. And in such a very short amount of time, we've managed to, um, to make such a huge mess. And, I mean, in seeing that show last night, I was... In that in that space to see Im, Im, embodied, beautiful humans dancing together and to feel everyone else in that space feeling their connection to spirit and our connection to spirit, it was, it was complete harmony. And so I think dance matters now because I think if our society is so in our head and we're so rational and, and um, we're so disconnected from our bodies... But I think if we kept coming back to our bodies and back to our hearts and back to back to connection, then then there's real hope for the future to save our world.
Thank you for listening to Dance Matters podcast series, produced for the Interchange Festival and commissioned by Delving into Dance and Critical Path. This podcast was recorded and edited by Ira Ferris, with music and production support of Trevor Brown. For other eight episodes in this series, see Dance Matters playlist on Artemis Project SoundCloud. And you can also listen via iTunes.